Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, sometimes life comes at you fast. We'll have sound to start these shows. It gives me the final few seconds to tweet out to everyone that we are on the air. Had to be ready to go today. No sound. Just Peter King, Mike Florio here, PFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN at 9 a.m. Eastern. UK and Ireland get to enjoy the program in prime time on Sky Sports NFL. Good morning, Peter King. Ohio Bobcats rule. Hello. Well, Mike, I can't hear a word you're saying, but I think we uh, will get that fixed. I'll just start <laughs> yes, off that's, by saying a that's thing one, or two. That's one I, flaw. I can't, that's I can't one hear flaw. a word you're saying. <laughs> Go ahead. Let, let me let me let me let me just start off by saying one thing about this incredible, weird, weird week, and that is that you know, like. Mike, I, and again, forgive me because I don't know if you've harangued on this the rest of the week, but what is really an incredible thing about this week is that we should have seen it coming. You know, we should have seen the entire thing coming, and there's no reason to suggest that it's going to get a lot better. <laughs> you know, because, you know, you look, you know, I'm watching TV last night, 2,700 people in America died on Wednesday of covid and hospitalizations are at an all-time high. You know, look, we, we've been through the bubble thing a hundred times, and we can dissect Roger Goodell saying we don't really think that we need a bubble for the postseason. Uh, I, I would firmly disagree with him on that. But be that as it may, this, I, I and I'm, I do think they're going to get the season done, finished, and it's going to play out somehow, some way, perhaps in a very ugly way. But this past weekend and what happened during the week this week show me that the season is going to happen. The season will be played to its completion. You just not, you may not like the way it looks. Yeah, and you may not recognize many of the names of the players involved because the attitude will be next man up sometimes you have to be ready for whatever comes your way including peter king not hearing me today although we have a workaround that will be put in place a very high-tech workaround involving producer matt casey telling peter what i'm saying as i say it <laughs> until peter can actually hear me but hopefully peter will let me know when he can hear me maybe he hears me now peter, i got you mike now. i can hear you now here we go here we go okay. i you know i was kind of looking forward to two hours of of uh, of the challenge <laughs> of doing a show without Peter hearing me. All right, but Peter, you're right. We're going to talk coming up about some of the developments of this week as it relates to the NFL's ongoing effort to play pro football in a pandemic. On one hand, it is amazing that we're on the brink of week 13 and all games have been played. Yes, several weren't played when they were supposed to be played, but they have been played with five weeks left in the regular season. And the NFL, I agree with you, has a determination to get every game in, to check every box of one through 256, and then progress to the postseason with 14 
total teams for the first time ever in the field. The Steelers will have to get through the remainder of their regular season without linebacker and excellent pass rusher Bud Dupree. Confirmed, torn ACL, out for the rest of the year. It's unfortunate beyond the obvious. It's an injury that is a grueling rehab that takes away from the Steelers, one of their best defensive players, and keeps Bud Dupree from playing for the rest of the season. But also the timing is horrible, Peter, because Bud Dupree was in a franchise tag year months away, just three from free agency, and now a wrench has been thrown into that because no one's going to give him the kind of contract that he was earning on the field while he's rehabbing from a torn ACL. So financially, it's a disaster for Dupree. And from a football standpoint, obviously it hurts a team that is undefeated and is trying to finish out the season 16-0. and You know, the thing about Bud Dupree is that I think with all the attention paid to T.J. Watt, and rightfully so, um, you know, he clearly is a top three candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, if you watch the Steelers regularly, which which we do, you see that Bud Dupree is, you know, Roger Maris to Mickey Mantle. You know, he's a great football player. He was the best player on the field when the when the Steelers opened the season and struggled to beat the Giants. And, you know, he has been a terrific presence, mostly on the other side of the field from T.J. Watt this entire year. That loss is really going to hurt. And again, look, Mike Tomlin, you know, who always is a next man up guy, and coaches are, you know, Mike Tomlin has to understand now that, okay, so every team or every guy on his team, starting with Alex Highsmith, who he says is basically the next man up, is going to have to fortify the pass rush because this is a major, major loss. And, you know, the strange part about the Bud Dupree time with the Steelers, there was a degree of ambivalence that the Steelers had toward Dupree. Right. And they went with the franchise tag because they hadn't previously, through five seasons, four years of his rookie contract and the fifth-year option, they hadn't extended him because they weren't sure. So they went with that extra year of the franchise tag, and now we see what ultimately happens with Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh. And let me just check my math here. One, two, three, four. Five. He is in year six, so he did finish his fifth-year option for a second. I thought maybe they didn't even use the fifth-year option, but they did, but they'd never signed him to a long-term deal, and he was on track to make the, the kind of money that you would make either from the Steelers uh, or on the open market. Here is Mike Tomlin, Peter, as you mentioned, talking about the comfort level with Alex Highsmith as the next man up in place of Bud Dupree. I'm just as comfortable and confident as I was and Robert Spillane when we called upon him, or, or, or Kevin Dotson when we called upon him on the other side of the ball, um, that's life in this business. And so those guys work behind the scenes every day very diligently preparing themselves for these opportunities, not only in terms of knowing what to do, but just preparing themselves in terms of conditioning um, for when we ring their bell. And we are ringing Alex Highsmith's bell now, so it'll be exciting to watch him uh, respond to it, but it also be exciting to watch his growth because growth is associated with experience and no doubt in the, in the upcoming weeks he's going to be gaining a lot of that Tomlin's entire demeanor there speaks to the cold hard reality of football guys are going to become unavailable for a variety of reasons and you just have to have the attitude that for whatever reason a guy falls off the train the train keeps rolling and there's someone else on the train ready to take over his job. And that's kind of just the way it is. And if you allow yourself to mourn the loss of a player, to grieve over his unfair circumstances now that he's rocketing toward free agency with an ACL rehab, if you stop to do that, you're losing sight of what you're trying to do as the coach of the football team. It feels a little harsh, but it's just kind of the way it is, Peter. You know, I'll abridge this story, Mike, because I know I've bored you with it 16 times. But it's the classic when I covered the Giants in the 80s and I once said to Bill Parcells, hey, you're playing without George Adams and uh, and Carl Banks and Brad Benson and blah, blah, blah this week because of injury. You know what? You know, And I'm basically pre-making an excuse for him. 
And he said, Peter, give me your media guide. And he starts showing me in the history section of the Giants, WLWWW. He said, this, this 1965 New York Giants uh, schedule and, and wins and losses, when you see it, the results, it doesn't say Fran Targenton was hurt that day or Tucker Fredrickson was out that day. It doesn't say that. It just says win and loss. And he goes, nobody cares. And that's what's going to happen now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tomlin's got the right attitude. Well, and nobody cares has been part of the attitude that has been projected toward the Steelers while various players have complained about the delays in their Week 12 game from Thursday all the way until Wednesday. Eric Ebron, who was uh, a challenge when it comes to securing the football on Wednesday night, and that's putting it mildly, he was on the 17 Weeks podcast. That's a product of Uninterrupted, available on Sirius XM and Pandora. Here is Ebron talking about what ultimately becomes between Wednesday night against the Ravens, Monday night against Washington, and the following Sunday night against the Bills, playing three games in a 12-day stretch. Here's Ebron on that. We put all of these stipulations in place. Everybody signed up and said, okay, this is going to be cool. Nobody thought you would play three games in 12 days. I don't care about a game check. I'm sorry. I know there's people that don't make that amount of money. I do. I know that. So what? I'm sure they don't want to play three games in 12 days either. They'd much rather, you know, lose a game check than risk them not making a check the next year because they're hurt. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of stipulations, bro. But this is sad. This is really sad. Okay. When I first saw those quotes... I, I, wow, oh, this is jarring. And he says, you know, he doesn't care if he loses a game check. He knows he makes a lot more money than the average person, but they wouldn't want to play three games in 12 days either. And that became his mantra. I don't want to play three games in 12 days. I don't want to play three games in 12 days. I don't want to play three games in 12 days. And then, and, and I wish that the lightning bolt would have struck for me without seeing someone else point it out. Pretty much every team plays three games in 12 days every single year. And the team that drafted Eric Ebron, the Detroit Lions, every year plays a Sunday, Sunday, Thursday. That's a 12-game stretch. And actually, when you start crunching the hours from kickoff to kickoff, assuming a 1 p.m. Eastern start on that first game and the traditional 12.30 p.m. Eastern start on Thanksgiving, and we've done the math and checked it twice, it's 263 and a half hours from kickoff to kickoff. The Steelers are going to have 268 and a half hours from kickoff to kickoff from Wednesday late afternoon Ravens to Sunday night Buffalo Bills to cap it off. So I don't I look this is just guy is upset and wants to complain about anything even if it's factually inaccurate. He's just upset. So let me complain about the sun coming up in the east. Whoever would have wanted that? Who signed up for the sun coming up in the east? I mean, that's basically what he's complaining about because that is part and parcel of life in the NFL. Three games in 12 days. He's done it every year. Teams do it every year. That's just the way it is. They just had their window moved around a little bit. You know, um, I empathize with the Steelers because twice this year, Basically, at the last moment, they've had their schedule really messed with. Um, they never really had a bye week because of the Tennessee thing in week three and four uh, back then. And obviously, this is totally an unpredictable situation. Now, look, the alternative, and, and again, maybe some players would say, give me the alternative. But Mike, here's the alternative, okay? that the Pittsburgh Steelers basically would prepare for this game, prepare, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden on Tuesday, the game would be called off. And oh, by the way, you got to play next Sunday. Or, or I think they would have played Washington on Sunday. So you either have that alternative. You play this week on Wednesday or you postpone the game and you play it on January 10th. Which would mean that, you know, the Steelers essentially would never have had a bye, you know, the entire year. They would have played all the way until week 17 on January 3rd. And then instead of being able to say, ah, 
Okay, finally, we get our break. Then they got to play a game that could either mean something for home field in the AFC or for the Ravens either to be in or out of the playoffs. And so the game means something. And then and only then would they get their week off on the weekend of January 17th. Now, again, maybe the majority of Steelers would say, okay, we'll take the week 18 game. We'll take playing on January 10th. But in my opinion, if I looked at all the alternatives, I'll say, give me the hardship now and give me the weekend off, knowing that I've got most of the week off between January 4th and January 10th. I'd much rather have that. I think this just falls into the bucket of people want to complain and they'll complain about anything and everything, even if they aren't complaining about the things they should be complaining about. I mean, his ultimate complaint is what you're saying. They were forced to wait and wonder when are they going to play. Now, in the interim, Peter, from Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday, it's not like Mike Tomlin was beating the hell out of his players in practice. It was a light week. That's one of the things that guys like about short week football. They don't get overworked leading up to the game because the coach understands they're still recovering from the game that was played. So I doubt that at any point between the game at Jacksonville and then ultimately the game against the Baltimore Ravens on Wednesday night, the Steelers had a rough and tough padded practice. So it was an unscheduled, unexpected seat-of-the-pants mini-buy they just never could mentally come down because they were thinking, all right, we're playing Thursday. Right. And then it's like, okay, we're playing Sunday. Okay, then it's we're playing Tuesday. Then it's okay, we're playing Wednesday. And and I, that, you know, if, if you can articulate the complaint that way, that you're in this constant state of limbo as to when you're going to play and to get yourself ready to go, it's not easy and you're not sure and that's frustrating. D complain about that. Don't complain about playing three games in 12 days when – you play three games in 12 days all the time. And I doubt that any of these guys would have accepted what Ebron suggested, a cancellation of the game, don't get paid for the game, and then you're 15-0, and 0, splitting the difference between the 72 Dolphins and the 2007 Patriots. My guess is these Steelers players want to go for 16-0. and 0. They're not going to be happy to say, well, we're 15-0 and 0 and we canceled a game because we didn't feel like getting screwed around by the NFL. So there, that, that, that'll show them. Uh, no. I, it's just venting. That's what it comes down to. Steelers players venting, and Mike Tomlin probably not happy about it because his attitude is, we make no excuses and we just move forward. Right. Yeah, and, you know, Tomlin's got the right attitude. You know, Mike, we've been talking about this a lot during the course of this season. You could see this coming from a mile away. You could see it coming from last May that the NFL was going to be the freight train rolling down the tracks. They didn't postpone free agency at the start of the pandemic. They didn't postpone the draft a month and a half into the pandemic. They didn't postpone. They, they had to delay the start of training camp because of work rules with the union. But they basically didn't postpone the start of training camp either. They canceled 65 preseason games because of it all, you know, which is a gigantic favor to the players, obviously. You don't have to play any preseason games. Now, not to the 85th player in training camp, but to the veteran players, to the basic NFLPA rank and file, they didn't have to put their bodies on the line in the preseason. And now you knew, you obviously knew that there are going to be some inconveniences that are going to be almost like split-second inconveniences that you can do absolutely nothing about. And I hate to say, hey, just sit back and deal with it, but just sit back and deal with it. And I'm reluctant to make this point because I feel like anytime someone does, it easily comes off as a get-off-my-lawn type of a, of a retort. But at the same time, every player did indeed have an opportunity before training camp began to say, I'm not interested this year. At no financial penalty, other than obviously not being paid for the year, they would have received a stipend instead. But every player had a chance to stand at the edge of the cliff and say, I'm not interested in jumping. I'm not going to do it this year. I don't want to do it. And it's not just I don't want to expose myself to potentially being infected by the virus. I think anyone who would have gotten good advice with the application of any degree of foresight would have been told things could get screwy. 
through this process. There may be games that get moved around. There may be some unintended consequences of trying to get these games played. Once you decide that you're jumping off the cliff and trusting the parachute and going wherever the wind may take you, that's what you're doing. So that's another reason why I hear these complaints and I want to go all the way back to July and say, guys, you, you, you may not have signed up specifically for your Thanksgiving game being delayed to Sunday and then to Tuesday and then to Wednesday, but you generally signed up for a season of we don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why when I hear things like this and I hear Ben Roethlisberger saying to <clears throat> Michelle Tafoya after the game, uh, some sarcastic thing about thanking Roger Goodell or whatever that that line was uh, when when he talked after the game. It was clear he's not happy. I doubt the Steelers are happy either. But in the grand scheme of things, A, not only does it do no good to complain, but B, it really makes you sound a little bit uh, disconnected with the real world. It just does. Whether the players like it or not, I know they have a job to do. And I know it's tough in a week like this, but you're a little bit disconnected with the real world when you complain about the schedule that you have to play in a football season. And if you are mad, internalize it, refocus it, and use it to fuel your path to the number one seed, an undefeated season, whatever. You just have to keep winning because the Kansas City Chiefs are still breathing down your necks at 10 and 1. The San Francisco 49ers at 5 and 6 trying to make an unexpected run to the postseason. They will continue... Their season, playing their home games in Arizona. They're practicing on the grass fields outside of State Farm Stadium. And there are other coaches who envy this gig that Kyle Shanahan has because there are other coaches who wish they could create a de facto bubble. That's what the 49ers have to the point where it's work and it's straight to the hotel room. Here's Kyle Shanahan talking about his concerns that players may feel disconnected from the world and isolated, and he's concerned about the mental health of some of his players. Here he is from yesterday. I just try to tell everyone, no matter what, um, when someone has a problem, whatever it is, there's no problem too big or too small. And a lot of guys keep that stuff internally. Um, but, you know, I met with a bunch of the players and I grabbed about 20 of them last night and just told them to look out for that stuff and make sure that whether they come to me, a position coach, we have lots of people here who aren't coaches or players who can help people. Um, so it's just understanding that it's human nature. Some stuff's going to come up um, over the next three weeks and um, no one ignore it. Just always bring it to someone's attention because the worst thing you could be in these situations is feel kind of alone on an island. And we've got a big group going through it so we can rally together and make sure we help each other through it. And that's a great point. He added that he talked to about 20 players and told them, please keep an eye on your teammates. If anyone is struggling with the isolation, let's talk about it. Let's be aware of it. Let's deal with it. And Peter, when I hear him speak and I think about what everyone is going through, you know, we're all frustrated. We're all upset. And maybe the Ebron comments, maybe the sarcastic remark made by Ben Roethlisberger, it's just a way of coping. So, you know, I don't know that a lot of these complaints that are made really are, you know, serious, back-to-the-wall type of, I hate this, and this isn't right, and this isn't fair. Sometimes it's just what you do to get through a day when you feel like everything sucks. Look, the 49ers are a great example of, of a team that, you know, I don't know how they're going to end up, Mike. I really don't, but... You know, they are quite literally getting on their buses to go to the airport on Saturday. And they start seeing tweets from the county of Santa Clara that all of a sudden, when they get back home, they're going to have to leave because they're going to be orphans. They're not going to be allowed to play or practice at their home facility. So <clears throat> that's a fine, how do you do? You get on the plane, you go to the Rams, in a game that you're a significant underdog and somehow, someway, you find a way to win that game against the Rams, a huge game that all of a sudden makes you five and six and keeps you in the muddled playoff hunt for the sixth or seventh seed in the, in the NFC. And what is interesting to me, when they came home and then started figuring out what they were going to do, they don't know whether they're going to San Diego. They don't know whether they're going to Oakland. They don't know if they, where they're going. And so they picked Glendale, Arizona. And Mike, you know what they have done in Glendale? They basically have become the Arizona Cardinals in training camp. 
staying at the Cardinals training camp hotel, taking over all of their meeting space and indoor, it's an indoor convention center, basically taking over all that space. Yesterday, when I talked to people there, they were building a weight room, you know, in that space so that guys this week could, you know, get focused and get going. They got the Buffalo Bills coming in on Monday. And so the other interesting thing for the for, for everyone to know about this, because this isn't like just going to an away game, you you as a if you're a player for the 49ers, your family can come to Arizona and your family can uh, stay somewhere nearby and you can visit them. Now, there's going to be, I'm sure, some strict rules about that, but this isn't a situation where they have to stay penned up in their hotel rooms. And so that's going to be a tricky little scenario for Kyle Shanahan to manage over the next three weeks. Yeah, the families can basically get an Airbnb type of a thing, and the player will commute back and forth just as if he were at home, which does puncture that bubble a little bit. Shanahan said yesterday they're going to try to not be part of the city while they're there. And my guess is that he's hoping that a maximum number of guys end up just seeing it through the next five weeks, stay in the hotel, be away from the community, and reduce the potential for catching the virus. Again, there are other coaches who are looking at this saying, it's a pretty good gig if you can get it because I no longer have to worry about my guys going at home every night and coming back potentially positive for COVID-19 any given day, and then all of the dominoes that fall because of that. Now, I'm told the NFL Players Association did not give the NFL or the 49ers a hard time about this, even though the 49ers are taking the players out of their normal routine, out of their homes, away from their families, and moving them to Arizona for five weeks. There's an acknowledgement that certain things just have to be done, and they make sure that it's done in a way that is safe for the players. And again, from a virus standpoint, it is safer for the players. Now, one of the practical considerations, Peter, that I'm glad you mentioned, the 49ers behaving essentially like the Cardinals at training camp, one big difference, they're not using the the field at State Farm Stadium to practice on. The Cardinals use that field extensively, and there are times early in the season where it looks rough. But they are going to be playing six games on that field now in roughly a four-week window. So I'm hoping that the grounds crew there does everything they can to make sure the field doesn't get torn up and become a safety hazard for the players when you're doubling, essentially, the workload that that field's going to have. And some may say, oh, that's no big deal. No, there are some bad fields in the NFL, and one of the reasons fields get bad is through overuse. So I'm hoping they have a plan in place to ensure that there's an appropriate playing surface for everyone that's going to be on there for the rest of the season. Mike, the other the other interesting part of this story that people might not realize is that So the 49ers have been told by the county of Santa Clara, basically, we are not allowing any group activities or athletic events until at least December 21. We will reconsider our decision based on the spread and and how many people are getting COVID in our county by December 21. So theoretically, it's possible if they call off the ban the, the, the 49ers could come home on December 21 or 22. They would have to turn around three or four days later, fly on Christmas afternoon, December 25, to play in Arizona on December 26. So this is one of the all-time weird, odd schedules and also not just schedules because... That's still uncertain. It's just totally one of the weirdest scenarios that a team has ever had to play through. And keep in mind, this is the team that started the season uh, playing in New Jersey against the Jets, going to the Greenbrier in West Virginia for the week, coming back to New Jersey, playing the Giants. And by the end of that eight days, half their team was, was hurt and gone for the year. And I'm exaggerating, but this has been a bizarre, just weird year for the 49ers. And I'll tell you, if somehow they end up making the playoffs, I mean, I'm not saying vote Kyle Shanahan coach of the year for 
keeping this together, but oh my God, give that team some sort of award for figuring out how to make all this work. And they're going to be ready to make some noise in the postseason if they get there after everything they've been through. And one quick note on Santa Clara. There has been an awkward and ugly political dynamic between Santa Clara and the 49ers ever since the 49ers moved into Levi's Stadium. And there's been some barbs traded back and forth this week. I'm going to be writing something about it after the show today. But but that's part of it, too. And, you know, I'm, I'm cynical about everything. So let me go ahead and say at some level, it's hard not to wonder whether this order in Santa Clara was crafted in part to stick it to the 49ers, because it wouldn't surprise me if there was some truth to that. All right. The possibility of a bubble, Peter, something you mentioned at the top of the show. Mike Tirico at halftime of the Ravens Steelers game interviewed Commissioner Roger Goodell. Here's what he had to say on Wednesday about the possibility of a bubble in the postseason. Bubbles for the regular season seem tough to pull off. Have you started thinking about bubbles for the postseason? Mike, our issue on, on bubbles, listen, the way it's uh, perceived, I think, in the general public is that um, not something we would do because we believe that our protocols are working. We would consider further isolations to reduce the risks for all of our personnel so that they're not exposed to the virus and bring it into the facilities or to the club. Peter, I've got a very simple assessment of the situation, and I've mentioned it from time to time, and I don't know that it's getting much traction, but at the end of the day, this is a collective bargaining stare down between the league and the union. The league doesn't want to go to the union and say, we want all the players to be confined to a hotel because the union will say, no, no, we're not doing it unless you give us something because that's how collective bargaining works. And anytime the union asks the NFL for something, the NFL doesn't say, you know, that's a good idea. That's a win-win. We'll go ahead and do it. They say, we want something because you want something. And as a result, they're engaged in this stare down and they'll come up with a word salad from time to time to justify it. But I believe that's the heart of it. The league doesn't want to ask because the league knows if it asks, it's going to have to give something to the union that doesn't currently owe the union. Makes a lot of sense, Mike. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, the only way, in my opinion, that this is going to be forced, quite honestly, is if one team suffers, maybe even a playoff team, suffers a significant outbreak that causes them to miss multiple weeks. You know, because then the league can say both publicly and to the union, look, we cannot risk this happening in January. We just can't. We can't delay the playoffs for two weeks while we're waiting for Team X, the third seed in the AFC, to get healthy. And from the union's perspective, it's a simple analysis because people will say, well, and I've said it before earlier this year, hey, union, you just need to volunteer to do this. The union looks at it and says, well, they're still getting the games in. Until games are lost, it's not a relevant conversation. I'd like to think that folks would be committed to doing the right thing for the sport before games have to be lost to get people to wake up and say, gee, maybe we should have home market bubbles. That's just not the way this specific brand of sausage is going to be made. They are going to continue to engage in this stare down, hope they can get through the season. And Peter, here's what I think is going to happen in the postseason, because I've talked to some coaches about this. There's a belief that you won't need mandatory bubbles in the postseason that all the teams that are still alive through the leadership exerted and the pressure applied by their leaders in the locker room, quarterbacks, defensive leaders, et cetera, they're all going to volunteer to stay in the hotel so you never have to make it mandatory. You know, that's what the Saints proved was the smart way to go in the month of August. They had about 135 of 168, I think, people um, either close contacts with players or players stay in the Lowe's Hotel in New Orleans. They closed off the hotel except to the Saints. And so to me, especially in an environment that we're in right now, Mike, where business is zero, you know, either travel and tourism or just travel in many of these cities, you can find a hotel, empty out the hotel, for whatever, eight days or however long it's got to be. And then maybe extend it to 14 days if the team wins and you have to come back. And that is the smartest way to go because it allows you, I've also heard the discussion, Mike, that you know if players go home, at least they're apart from everybody on their team. It's not like everybody is together all the time 
and you're going to have contact with people on the team with the risk of spreading it. No. What is going to happen is that because players all have and people all have single rooms and they're all doing, you know, the 49ers, even though they're down in Arizona and they're together, they're doing all of their learning virtually sitting in their room. You know, just like teams are doing all over the league right now. Juju Smith-Schuster told me a couple of weeks ago that, you know, he basically used to get up and, get, and you know, get up at 7 o'clock. He's out of his, his home at 7.45, and he's not home till after 3. Well, now he stays home until 11 because he's got all his meetings in the morning, uh, you know, by video conference. He gets in his car, he drives uh, to, to uh, the Steelers facility, does his practice, and then just goes home. And so that is the way it is like with all these teams now. So to me, I really think that the bubble is a profitable way to go. It's a smart way to go, but it's going to take, in my opinion, a quasi-disaster for the NFL to get there. Apart from the challenges presented by the pandemic, the traditional football issues like injuries continue to be a factor. Could we see quarterbacks like Jared Stidham and Colt McCoy this weekend? We'll talk about the current injury report for some of the big-name quarterbacks when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Feeling as good as I should be feeling. And, you know, you just got to stay on top of things and see what the trainers say. And um, just keep getting treatment. Is this just one of those just wear and tear the regular season type of things, or is this something new? It's football. We'll update it as we go through the week here, and um, yeah, to depend on how it goes. If there's an adjustment we need to make, we'll make it. Cam Newton limited both days in practice this week, abdomen injury, and oh, Bill Belichick's never going to come out and say what his plans are or what may be happening. You'll see who the quarterback is when it's time for the offense to take the first snap. But if it's not Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, next man up. And it's a big few days for the New England Patriots, Peter. They're 5-6. and six. They're in L.A. for back-to-back -back games, Sunday against the Chargers, Thursday night against the Rams. And Cam Newton, not that he's lighting it up statistically, but he's kind of stabilized after that rough spot after he had COVID-19. And, and, and they're a team where... If you're the Steelers, if you're the Chiefs, if you're any team that has designs on advancing into the postseason and winning games there, you don't want one of your games to be New England Patriots. Yeah, it's a it, that's that's one of the one of the odd things, Mike, because you never know what you're going to get out of the Patriots. It can be a real noble effort, uh, you know, for 50 or 55 minutes and a loss like happened at Kansas City. Um, you know, it can be the kind of game back and forth and back and forth, and then you end up winning in the end, like against Arizona, or you could get blown out. So that is the odd thing this year about playing the Patriots. Look, I think if Cam Newton can play, he will play. Bill Belichick saw Jared Stidham um, in Kansas City earlier this year. He's seen him 
I, and I'm not saying he's given up on him forever, but I just don't think he trusts Jared Stidham with the playoffs on the line. Not that Cam Newton has given you a lot to trust him either, but I just think right now, if there's any way Cam Newton can go, he's going to go. Yeah, I think so too. And again, if they get to the playoffs, you've got all that playoff experience institutionally in New England. Cam Newton has been to the top of the mountain, even though he wasn't quite able to grab the flag a few years ago as quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. He's definitely got the experience in the postseason game. Stidham doesn't, and you want him to be healthy for as many games as he possibly can play. The Giants making an unlikely playoff push, trying to set up Peter's wildcard weekend dream matchup of Tom Brady at the Giants in primetime the first weekend of the postseason. Daniel Jones injured a hamstring against the Bengals last week. Hasn't practiced all week. It would be Colt McCoy. Here is offensive coordinator Jason Garrett talking about Colt McCoy, the backup to Daniel Jones. I thought Colt did a really good job last week in the game, just getting comfortable and allowing us to function as an offense. And uh, I thought he handled himself really well. And, uh, you know, depending on how this thing plays out this week, you know, we'll try to get him some work and some reps. And if he does have to play in the ball game this week, hopefully he'll be comfortable. So you look for things he's done in his past that he's comfortable with, uh, with you or with somebody else. Just so when that ball is snapped, it's, it's all internalized in him. He's just going out there and playing football. Jason Garrett with the Sean McVay shouting at the front of the meeting room style to the press conference, but that's fine. Hey, by the way, Mike, the, the, Mike, could Jason Garrett sell ice to Eskimos? <laughs> oh, hey, he managed to sell himself to the Joneses for a lot longer than most people think, so the answer to that would be yes. Uh, hey, the Giants, it's just weird. I can't get my brain around the fact that the Giants are a contender, but in the grossly watered-down NFC East, they are. I don't know what the drop-off is from Daniel Jones to Colt McCoy. Is there a drop-off, Peter? I think there's definitely a drop-off the way that Daniel Jones had been playing. You know, he had not been turning it over at the same rate that he was. He was playing with confidence. He's got the ability to play outside the pocket. Um, and again, look, I'm not saying he's a top 10 NFL quarterback, but I think he was really starting to play at the level that the Giants feel they need to to make that long-term commitment to him. Um, and, and look, Colt McCoy, if you don't play for a long time, you're going to be rusty. But he was RG3 like rusty. And I don't think you want to go into your game in Seattle if there's a chance. And Mike, look, last night on Channel 4, the NBC affiliate in New York, they had a little bit of tape on Daniel Jones throwing on a side field yesterday and, and moving around on a side field uh, at Giants practice. And he actually looked pretty good, surprisingly good. So I don't know whether there's a chance he's going to play in this game or not. You would think not. But, you know, because look, all he's going to do in a game that they're unlikely to win anyway uh, is probably aggravate that injury. I always love when coaches and GMs and teams say, well, the trainer said he couldn't hurt it any worse. You know, it was, you know, if... We're not going to play him if he's got a chance to get hurt any worse than he is. It's a hamstring. It needs time to heal. You know, and, and look, I doubt sincerely that this is a riskless venture for the New York Giants if they played Daniel Jones at Seattle. That's why it's probably wise to not play him, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's, there's a line that if you cross it with a hamstring strain, it grabs its back and it can be worse than it was depending upon how hard you pull on that muscle. Anybody that's ever had that, and I've had it, it is hell. You have just got to get off of it for multiple weeks until it's back to normal. And then even when you think it's back to normal, it may not be back to normal. Colt McCoy, anything but a normal career, Peter. He was the guy in Cleveland for his first two years. Started 13 games in 2011. No starts anywhere in 2012 or 2013. Four starts in 2014 in Washington. No starts 2015, 2016, 2017. He had two in 2018 in Washington, one in 2019 in Washington, and he could get his first start as a member of the Giants. It's just a testament to the idea that, you know, you don't have to be a great quarterback to make NFL money. 
and spend a decade in the league even though you never play all that much. There's a role out there for the backup quarterback who rarely plays, and yeah, it, it's probably a better job than what the alternative would be. Look, RG3 is learning it right now. If you're a good guy inside the team and uh, you work hard, you support the starter, uh, you do everything you can in your team, 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 you can make two million bucks a year for a long time. You know, what what other job can you have in life where you're off for five months a year and you make two million dollars? Now, I don't know what RG3 makes, I'm guessing, but that's about what he what he makes, I'm sure. The point is that those jobs are great jobs to have. Plus, you know, you know that at some point during the course of a year, there's probably a I don't know, 40, 50, 60% chance that you're going to play meaningful snaps in a game. And so you better be ready. And so that to me is what Colt McCoy is facing. And look, uh, I don't think he's going to go out and beat Seattle, but he's a professional. So who knows? The ultimate proof that this week was one of the craziest we've experienced for the NFL. Two general managers and a head coach were fired over the weekend, and it barely got any attention all week long. We're going to give those terminations some attention when PFT Live continues right after this. There's your opening so far this season. Three coaches fired, four general managers gone, and Pete, I don't know that the Lions intended this to happen the way that it did. We were all paying attention for the possibility of Bob Quinn, the GM, and Matt Patricia, the head coach, being fired last Friday, the day after they were embarrassed at home by a a not great Texans team. But it came Saturday afternoon, and nobody really noticed. Nobody really seemed to care. I think we all kind of expected it. Some were surprised that Quinn went, too. I wasn't because Quinn, from the day he walked through the door, was going to hire Matt Patricia. It was just a question of when. It just hasn't worked there. But I don't – I mean, this Lions team has been, as an organization, average at best, mediocre most of the time. I don't know how they fix it going forward, but it's clear that what they were doing wasn't good enough and it was time to rip the Band-Aid off. You know, Mike, I think it was, uh, you know, the Saturday afternoon news dump, you know, and and at a time when so many other things were happening, uh, and it was very convenient for the Lions. And look, I think as you go forward when you're Detroit, you have to ask yourself, what kind of team do we want? Do we think we have a lot of good elements in place? Do we want to continue to kid ourselves and say that, hey, we're close, we just need to do X, Y, and Z. Detroit Lions, you're not close. You're not close. So to me, I think this is an opportunity for the Lions to look at the organization and to basically ask yourselves, do we want to totally remake this organization? And if we do, you know, how do we do it exactly? The first question you have to answer, do you want a general manager first? And if you want a general manager first, I've been told by uh, by someone who's got to do the picking this year um, that the general manager group uh, is far better than the head coaching group this year in terms of candidates. You're going to have a number of really good people to choose from. So do you want to take that GM and then start to remake your organization? And then do you want to hire your head coach Do you want that GM to hire your head coach? Personally, that's what I would want to do. I don't want anybody inside the Detroit Lions organization hiring a head coach. I just don't want that. You know, look at the decisions that have been made. Not good. So I would hire the GM, let that GM hire the coach. The first order of business then has to be decide, has to be to decide, are we giving Matthew Stafford another chance? Or are we going to bite the $25 million bullet in 2021, get rid of them either in trade or simply a release? Probably in trade. But are we going to get rid of them and start over? And Mike, I'm just left to ask this one question. You know, Matt Patricia, one of the things that happened that no one talks about is that 
he somehow, someway got at cross purposes with Darius Slay. So Darius Slay then had to be dumped to Philadelphia instead of re-signed. And then when they had the third pick in the draft, they had to replace Darius Slay because they had no even close to franchise corners. They take Jeff Okuda, who's had a very spotty first year. And what did they do? They passed on Justin Herbert and Tua Tonga-Valoa. So now, what would you rather have on your roster right now? Jeff Okuda or one of those two quarterbacks? I know what my answer is. Well, and what happened with Patricia and Slay was very simple. Patricia was trying to create that Belichick mentality, that idea that there are no sacred cows, that everyone is going to be called out. And he called out Darius Slay in front of the team, and it upset Darius Slay. And even though they had an intermediary try to unruffle Slay's feathers, it never worked. It was that... And even though Patricia said, I'm going to be my own guy, I'm not going to be like Belichick, when you're with him for 15 years, you don't realize how much you are like him. And he was running the team like Belichick, and it just never went over well. Peter, one quick point that I want to throw back to you as it relates to the notion that the Lions should hire a GM who then hires the head coach. Who's deciding who to hire the GM, though? This is the same group that brought us Matt Millen as the director of football operations for an extended period of time. Somebody's got to know who they're hiring at GM and that's the first problem. Who's making that decision in Detroit? It's a great, great question. And whether it's Rod Wood or obviously the, you know, the vestiges of the Ford family, you know, with Sheila Hamp Ford, uh, Sheila Ford Hamp, excuse me. Um, you know, someone has got to look at this group of general managers and come down with that decision. Mike, it's not an ideal circumstance. It is simply not. But they have to do what the New York Jets have to do. Hire a general manager and get out of the way. And I'm not convinced the Jets are going to do that, but they should. Yeah, and the other aspect of this that we've been discussing all week, and I've mainly been writing about it at PFT, how these team presidents manage to avoid accountability and continue to be employed, whether it's Rod Wood or Ted Phillips in Chicago or plenty of others throughout the league. It's a great gig to have. We'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.